Welcome to Ben. Blockchain Education Network. The largest and longest running network of students, alumni, and professors excited about blockchain across the world. A podcast for students by students, sharing their vision that anyone, regardless of wherever they are in the world, will be able to use blockchain as a vehicle to create wealth for themselves and their communities. This is Ben. The Blockchain Education Network. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Blockchain Education Network podcast. I am your host, Chris Buren, Director of Social at Ben. And today we have a great friend of mine, Graham from EY Blockchain. How are you doing, Graham? Doing well. Good to see you again, Chris. Very cool. I was at the EY Blockchain meetup last week. And I got to say, EY seems to have a lot of cool stuff going on in blockchain. Yeah, you know, it's, I'm really glad you said that because a lot of people don't know. And a lot of the work that I do in conferences like the one that you and I are at now is help people understand how much better we are at this than really any other large consulting firm. And what bothers us more than anything is when people group us into firms like Deloitte, PwC, and compare what we're doing with what they're doing. And I usually use that as an opportunity to, to shamelessly brag about all the cool stuff that we're doing that, that, that sets us apart. We truly are a startup within a large organization like we go to ey and we ask for seed funding we ask we have rounds every two years hmm. and they 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 break off a little bit of money for us and they they give it to us and they they tell us to come back a year later with 5x growth otherwise we're dead right and so we don't you know we're not we don't we don't do a we have this small little blockchain team we have our own office and we're doing some really cool stuff for those of for those of you who are familiar we we, we built the, the ZKP protocol Nightfall, handed that over to the public domain. Why did we hand it over? Because we could not find a way for an audit firm to legally make money off of it. Right? Like that's, that's the type of, this is the type, like we are taking some of that money, we are building stuff, we're giving it away for free to the public domain so that we can drive public blockchain adoption, knowing that if that happens and firms like EY can help lead that, there's tons of money to be made right down the road. So yeah, lots of really cool stuff going on. I love it. Take us back. How did you get into crypto? What's your background? Yeah, I um, it's a good question. My background was initially in finance at Wells Fargo Credit Suisse in the retail and investment banks there. And as a part of grad school, I, I, attend, I went to grad school hoping to get into the technology sector. And one of my courses there, my professor asked me to do, to do a research project and give the class a presentation on this this new technology that had just exploded called Bitcoin. Mm. It was trading at something ridiculous, like $100 a coin, right? And it had a market cap in the billions, That's right? Crazy. And, and, wow. and so, and I'm kind of at this point, no one really knows what it is. And, and so I spent the entire semester diving as deeply as, as I could. And anyone who, who's listening to this, I know can, can shares this sentiment. Like the, this, the, the, the moment you start diving into this stuff and realize how cool it is, the more you want to learn about it, right? And so you're learning about how this works at a technological level. And as a part of that, I decided to buy one Bitcoin for, I think, you know, by the time I start, when I started the project, it was trading at 100. When I ended the semester, it was trading at 300. And so I spent $300 on a Bitcoin just to see how you, to see how it was done. Just how do you even execute a purchase of a Bitcoin, right? Mm -hmm. And at the time, there were really two choices, Mt. Gox and Coinbase. Fortunately, coin flip, I made the good choice and I went with Coinbase, right? <laughs> we all know what happened to Mt. Gox. And, and I showed 
my classmates how I had done this and that I had done this. And the whole class is just laughing hysterically at me, talking about how stupid I was for having thrown away $300. (laughs) Fast forward two years and getting emails from my former classmates asking if I still held it when it was trading then, I think (laughs) at 16,000, right? So, you know, certainly not retirement money. If only I had a little bit more as a poor student to have put into uh, the the, the $300 Bitcoin, but that's how I got in like uh, academically. And then with that experience, you know, back in 2014, 15, very few people even knew what this was. And so I was able to get hired into IBM's practice where blockchain was a component of that. And so that's how ultimately I got into this, into this area. That's great to hear. You mentioned that EY uses public chains, yep. Ethereum. And obviously, um, if anyone's familiar with the space, IBM has their whole hyperledger, mm-hmm. which is not exactly public. Why do you think enterprises should use public chains? Yeah, it's... If we have 15 minutes and I could talk 15 hours on this topic. So I'm going to do my best to to be succinct, right? So a couple of things. Private networks were were really helpful in helping low, very risk-averse organizations dabble in blockchain, right? Because you had ultimate control over the network. But I would say that in doing so, you've completely forsaken the core tenant and really core value proposition of what a blockchain provides, right? It's really just what you've created in a private blockchain is a shared database. Those have been around in a different form, right? And those have been around forever and really don't provide the trustless decentralized value and scalability, right? And, and, mm-hmm. and, and cost effectiveness. It's, you've created another network and someone needs to pay to build that network and someone needs to pay to maintain that network. And that costs money, meaning now you need ROI. You need to justify that cost. And if you need to justify ROI, we believe that the incentivization of these networks are, are completely skewed, right? And so we don't look at blockchains as solutions. We look at blockchain as blockchains as, as just core-based infrastructure, mm-hmm. not unlike the internet, right? And so it, it you can imagine a world in which there were 50 different telephone networks that were completely siloed. And you could only connect with people who were on your network. Imagine a world in which AT&T customers could only call other AT&T, AT&T customers and Verizon, Verizon customers. Right? It doesn't scale. And so now, again, keeping that analogy, now I want to do business on all the networks. I need a phone number on each network. Mm-hmm. And now I need to be managing, you know, N number different different phone numbers, right? It just... It, and, and in blockchain, you're moving data that's not just voice, right? You're mo- and so now, how do I move? If I have a, a, dif- a digital representation of, a, of an asset on one blockchain, how does that then, how can I then potentially move it onto a different one? So you have one, for su- one blockchain for supply chain. You have another blockchain for insurance. You want to insure something that's, on, that's represented on-chain on supply, blockchain, supply mm-hmm. chain blockchain. How do you allow that for that interconnectivity? It just doesn't work. And so we, you know, pretend, we, were, we were kind of agnostic as to which blockchain needed to win. We had, we had no skin in the game at first, but at some point you have to decide which one you think is going to win and you have to help it win. Mm-hmm. Right. And so just through a number of factors, we decided that Ethereum, you know, our perspective is Ethereum will be that, not that it will be the only player in town, but likely will be the, the, the foundational layer one on which a number of interconnected blockchains or layer two solutions interact. And we did that because of adoption. We did that because of the ecosystem and how well they've been able to innovate and how quickly they've been able to to progress and upgrade mm-hmm. and we just see you know better technology is going to come out but we see that type of technology being eaten up but or not eaten up but adopted and, and built into ethereum over time definitely so students that are interested in this space yep. what advice do you have for them 
start at the bottom and work your way up learning wise. Mm -hmm. Right. What I mean is don't jump on coin metrics and try to figure out, you know, the, 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 the beta of a cryptocurrency and to figure out what, what, or, you know, the, the sharp ratio of a, of a cryptocurrency, right? You're, in my opinion, if you're approaching this from the finance perspective first, you're doing it wrong. Mm. Start it by approaching blockchain and DeFi from the technological perspective. If you can't tell me how, the mechanism by which uh, a transaction is is propagated to miners, stored in a, in a mempool, the miners are able to, to, to win the block reward by, by hashing a block in order to, to, to mine, you know, to, to, to win the, to solve the puzzle and win that, that the ability to write the next block. Mm -hmm. If you don't understand at that level how all this stuff is working, you need to. Because you need it, right now there's so much, the, the market is so sentiment driven that in my opinion, it's going to, it's going to, to a certain degree, blow up. What will survive are the people that have, that are the, are the protocols that have sound ecosystems and sound technology. And if you can't understand the technology, you can't make that decision for yourself. So start technology, then finance, not the other way around would be my advice. Great. If students are interested in hearing what you have to say or want to learn more or have a question, what would be the best way to kind of hit you up? Like Twitter I, or? It, I think LinkedIn for me is mm -hmm. the best way. It's like I'm, I, I, it's a great way for you to reach out to someone, but all, that in a way that includes kind of a little profile of what you're what you're working on. Mm -hmm. So I, I would encourage. I don't think I've ever declined a LinkedIn a LinkedIn invite. So I would encourage people to reach out. Great. Thank you for your time, Graham. Great talking to you. This was another episode of Ben. Blockchain Education Network. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. Also, keep up with us on Twitter and Instagram at BlockchainEDU. And visit our YouTube channel for more valuable blockchain content.